passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm right here, folks, man. I got this yet. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Ankle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We got a dot five episode here today. Full panel in the building. We're doing it a little differently this week, though. So it's always going to be set the spread. Same old, same old there. But we're moving the recap from last week's card to the first half of set the spread for multiple reasons. One, so each podcast uh, is more digestible all at once instead of hitting you with two hours and then just 20 minutes. And the other reason is because it's fresher. I mean, we just watched it two days ago. We're all eager to talk about it and really see where, you know, the the divisions really got shaken up and just talking about. So it's just going to be a new format as well for that. Um, We're going to go with basically just, you know, four guys talking about the sport we all love and a couple topics that just brush over the entire card instead of picking each individual fight. So first things first, Dan, and I'm just going it, to, it is Santos Walker and it surprised a lot of people. Uh, that was the main event last week. And it surprised a lot of people for two reasons. One, um, it went to decision, which it was minus 640 for it to not see the scorecards. So that already within itself is beyond surprising. Santos won. He was the favorite, but it, it, I don't think it went in a lot of people's mind. I mean, I think a lot of people had it three, two Santos on the, on the sheets, but I know everyone I talked to felt like the fight itself was overwhelming. So rankings wise, um, where, where, do, where do you have these guys? I mean, Jan Blahovich is obviously uh, the, the big, the head honcho and then Glover's ranked one. But other than that, I mean, Rakic as, as people were talking about, beats uh he, he beat tiago yeah he beat tiago and then like the dc can't stop talking about it. it's super boring so i mean anthony smith the journeyman's at four rackage is at three i know he's kind of staying active i think rackage smith looks like something that might be done but i mean you're looking at santos he just cut off his two or three fight skid rather you got a guy who completely reinvented himself over in ireland and johnny walker what are your takeaways from the whole thing? And I guess really, where do you see either these guys fighting next or where, cause I know the rankings are already out now that it's Monday. So more, who do they fight next and what's your takeaways from the main event? Yeah. My takeaway is, I know we say it all the time, but those fights that are slated to be those big bangers oftentimes are a little bit disappointing. I mean, I I'm brought back to 
Nganu, Derek Lewis as, as the biggest of them. But when those lines are so high, I'm, I'm not so surprised that the, we don't get the fireworks that we want, especially, and I know people like to clown this word, but chess match. But when you get two guys that are at as high a level as they are, um, sometimes you do get some apprehensive strikers and, and some guys that are a little bit unwilling to engage or really just get into the pocket and, and throw. Um, for me, my biggest takeaway, though, is that I, I think that contender Tiago Santos is gone. I'd love to see him maybe next get Dominic Reyes, but I don't necessarily believe that he can climb that mountain again. And even with the peak being not so high and light well, heavyweight just actually, being low. I actually respectfully disagree with you. And I'm actually curious to hear why you think that. First, though, I do want to touch on something you mentioned that the chess match. I think it's even more so like that in these super high level or high ranked bouts for light heavyweight, kind of even middleweight and definitely heavyweight where each strike, not only so powerful, but if you miss, if someone lands a good counter, you're out. So you really have to think about every single thing you throw. And that was on display here, especially with Johnny Walker. I mean, he'd set up a feint. He would even faint his feints. And then he was very apprehensive to, unleash it and I think a lot of that is just what's happened in the past in a lot of his bouts but I, I I actually was kind of thinking that Santos moved a lot better than I thought he was going to be able to I mean I remember we talked about the knee being a big injury for him and so I was I kind of was impressed with him I, I think that this Johnny Walker this patient Johnny Walker is the best jo- version of Johnny Walker that we've seen I agree with that for sure and he really showed that he was very coachable but he didn't really jump off the screen for me as like a guy that needs to be pushed up the ranking super heavy. I would still favor Rakic or Prohaska over him. Oh yeah. Pretty but, significantly. I mean, those guys, but we're talking about guys in, in Rakic and Prohaska that are like, I mean, both guys that should be and will be contending for the title. But that that's that next tier for Johnny, isn't it? I mean, he's getting former title contenders. So the next step in, in my opinion, I mean, should he, be those guys or at least the Anthony Smiths of the world. Do you think that basically there's a gap between Pohaska and Rakic and then like the next, and then like the Ryan Spans? Cause like, I feel like Ryan Span, I know Ryan Span rocked him, but I don't think Ryan Span handles this Johnny Walker. Well, I agree so with it's that. Like, I don't, I guess my question is if you, if you have the rankings pulled up, where, where do you put them next? I, I guess, where do you put both these guys next? Cause for Santos, you said Reyes, I don't mind that matchup. They both fought Jones for the title. They both arguably won the title against Jones. I could see that being a decent matchup. I, I agree with you there. I like that. I now, love Johnny to Walker. see, yeah, Walker sitting at 10 after this yeah. last weekend's fight. But, uh, again, you mentioned close decision. He could be well up in a different spot had the judges seen it the other a different way. Um, I'd love next for him Nikita Krylov or Vulcan Ozemir. Those are both – up the rankings a couple spots, but um, well, he already fight uh, Krylov and lost, and so like, I mean, I think it was like three, yeah, three fights ago in 2020. So I, they, I doubt they run that one back. So Vulcan for me, Vulcan. There you go. I don't mind that one either. I just think light heavyweight starting to get interesting, and not to get too bogged down in other promotions. So Vulcan has a fight booked for the end of the month against Magomed Ankalaev, the the 30th of this month. So that, honestly, he might take loser of that. Mm -hmm. 
loser of Volko and Ankalaev. And I don't want to get too bogged down, but light heavyweights getting pretty good in other divisions. I know I was watching the Bellator card this weekend, Lima versus MVP, and they were previewing the uh, Vadim Nemkov for the light heavyweight Grand Prix. And, and between Phil Davis and Nemkov and a lot of those guys over there, actually have a pretty decent 205 division compared to the UFC. Okay. Main event covered. Co-main event. Got to cover it because of how crazy. Oh, okay. Kobe, we'll go over bonuses in a second. Um, first things first, co-main event. So crazy. So I tweeted from the Ankle Pick podcast account. I know everyone saw this. The prop bet I had. 200 on Dawkins to win by sub at plus 650. Let's talk about it. I mean, there was an accidental clash of heads. Clearly impact everything that happened from there forward. Kevin Holland went out briefly. Dawkins did what Dawkins was supposed to do. The ref almost stepped in, didn't because Holland started fighting back and it led to a Dawkins rear naked choke along the fence. After a review, which I personally have never seen before, I was trying to remember another time that I've seen this length of a review and, and something get overturned. And I couldn't think of one. I would love to hear it if you thought of one. But what ended up happening is it ended up becoming a no contest. And that to me was a crazy outcome. So what's your opinion on it? Do you think it's fair? I mean, do you think the judges and the commission did a good job here? Or because just a month ago, Molly McCann had an accidental headbutt that helped her out and ended up giving her the W. So it's interesting. I still have just a lot to learn about the replay system within MMA. And I think that this is going to be the very beginning of that because I do think that the result in the end, the no contest that they got to is the right outcome is that it's the right place to land. Um, I mean, clearly his lights turned out from that headbutt. It wasn't so much as like opening up a cut or something or, or, or just causing damage. It was a pivotal turning point in that fight. It changed everything. And for me, I was confused at how it went down. I thought it 100% should have just been a sub. And then maybe days later, or I don't know how the replay is supposed to work, but it should have been overturned maybe afterwards. But yeah. I think that they did ultimately land on the right outcome for me of, See, of a no contest. I don't even think they know how it works, which is why it's funny. I mean, we're talking about how we both need to learn more and would like to learn more. It's like, I think they need to learn more. I don't think they really know. Here's the thing that I took away from it. And Kobe, if you want to chime in here, I would be interested to hear it too. What happens if Kevin Holland wins that fight? Let's say he gets knocked, gets scrambled, ends up, uh, ends up, you know, popping up, tagging Dawkins and wins. Was Kevin Holland basically free rolling that fight because of an accidental headbutt? Because Dawkins obviously won and it turned into a no contest. But what if, what if Holland won? Do you think they still overturn it in no contest? I bet they wouldn't. That is interesting, and I, I would hope that they do. I mean, I hope we don't see a ton of this, but by the way that I have to assume that replay works, I would hope that they would make it a no contest as well, but I'm not sure. And yeah, you saw even in the middle of the fight, like right when the uh, first exchange happened, the ref was signaling, to, I think it was the replay official, like uh, like a like a waving their finger, like, hey, run that back, take a look. Um, so he even knew in, in the middle – of the fight that something was weird, which I think it makes it different from the Molly McCann example you brought up yeah. and different from the, uh, what was it? Ed Herman, Mike Rodriguez fight that, I mean, now with the use of replay, I'm maybe that, that should be off. retroactively gone overturned back to, um, 
Mike Rodriguez. I, I don't know. I, there's just so many questions with, with just this interesting. Rebirth, it's like that Mike Rodriguez at Herman fight just wasn't even that long ago. It's one of those things where that how can you know they're not really com- they're not really being as transparent with the fans and honestly even the performers and the fighters that how this works because three months ago you're having fights not get overturned. I, I think that Herman fight was longer, but I mean. I'm on the bad end of the Mike Rodriguez fight because we were all on Mike Rodriguez. I'm on the bad end of this Dawkins fight because I have Dawkins by sub. And basically, I still have no answers on how these this works. It's, it's crazy to me. I, I think the transparency is key, but I will say that at the end of the day, this fight in particular, they ended up getting it right. And the, so I, I have but less qualms qual- with him at the moment. What do you think happens if, if Holland ended up winning? I think that they'd probably give it to Holland. But I, That's you what know, I'm saying. I, so he's free rolling, basically, which yeah, is weird. Yeah. It puts it Dawkins in a spot where he can only lose. It didn't happen, so they got it right. All right. But it's not like he's Aaron Rodgers drawing him off sides. He didn't intend for any of this to right. happen to get like a free play, whatever. It it's, it yeah. ended up working maybe like that if, if what you're assuming is true, but it's no, not his I'm own doing, is, and it's not like a, a loophole that fighters can I guess I'm more take advantage I of. I think that's something that the UFC should try to figure out is, is so that that type of solution or that type of outcome doesn't happen because if they keep delaying this and being less transparent and fixing it after it's already a problem, it, we're going to see a fight where that happens. And I, I hope we don't see that. Kobe hit us with the bonuses quickly from last week. And depending which ones they are, we might touch on them quickly as you go. Four performance bonuses. Four so performance bonuses. Okay. We had on the, None on the main card. We had Casey O'Neill. Fernandez did not get one. Casey O'Neill, ankle locks. Wait, wait. Okay, wait, hold on. We had a lot. Two guys talking. What? Wait, what's up? Casey O'Neill, bonus, ankle lock. Oh, ankle lock. Okay, so ankle lock advances to 22 and 11. That was 23 and 11. Okay, 22 and 11. We'll check that. 6% clip, boys. We're still waiting. 22 and 11. And O'Neal looked phenomenal, by the way, Dan. Our reads were right on. I don't want to toot our own horn or anything, but we said Doc is by sub prop, and we said O'Neal is the ankle lock, which is fucking phenomenal. Show mm-hmm. second pays out. Second performance bonus, Douglas Silva to Andrade. Okay, another that one we were all that, over. Yeah, that's very well deserving, and that's one that we talked about a little bit on the pod last week. And the breakdown is just how physically dominant and. Andrages and also his opponents. Remember, we were talking about how he fought, he was fighting the Piotr Jans of the division, and that this should be a walkthrough for him. We had Alejandro Perez, curtain jerker, armbar. Yeah, that was an awesome sub. Dan, do you have any comments you want to make on that sub? I know being our BJJ expert, anything you really took away there or like there, something that if if someone's practicing jujitsu, they should take away, or is it just a a masterpiece and an artwork and, and enjoy it? Yeah, nothing I had of note, but um, absolutely awesome armbar. Johnny Eduardo didn't look like he should should have been in there. That was another one we were all over. Yeah, who? Someone. Uh, I don't remember who. It was either someone in the – I think it was Dean Thomas was like, yeah, Johnny Eduardo was fighting when I was fighting. And I was like, oh, my God, these guys – Johnny Eduardo needs to <laughs> call it sooner mm-hmm. rather than later at 43. Final performance bonus. Malort bet Jamie Malarkey. Fuck. And which, by the way, are we doing that tonight for Seth? Jamie Malorty. Jamie Malorty. Oh, God. And in the first round, I felt so good, too. 
So are we doing that? To, am I paying that tonight for set the spread? Or are we doing it the main Wednesday one? Because we are going to have a guest on our Wednesday podcast interview wise. So how do you want to play it? We can do Malort after guest on Wednesday. Okay, cool. I like that. I'm paying my dues. Um, yeah, that was a tough scene for there. So quickly, let's talk about the Malort bet while we're on it. I'm all over Devonta Smith. He's one of my favorite prospects. His hands are as fast as lightning. His stand-up's great. Obviously, he has some stuff to work on. What made you take Malarkey? Because it worked out for you well, and it sounded like this was Malarkey's game plan all along. He said, we're going to tire him out. We probably will even drop the first round and end up. Yeah, yeah. and I think I said it on the podcast. If you're looking at this guy's professional record, he doesn't win if he doesn't make it out of round one. Um, or I mean, I know that in like V3 fights or some really lower um, promotions, he got a, a round four stoppage. But this is a guy that's pretty much quick finish or, or I'm done. He doesn't like to fight through adversity, or at least I hadn't seen it. And Malarkey is a guy I know that's just tough as nails and a guy that's got a game plan for whatever you're going to throw at him. And I really – I was kind of on the same page as Malarkey. If you, were, if you weren't going to turn his lights out in the first round, he was going to figure out a way to make this a, a tough fight for you. I would even be willing to take it a step further and say that if about not pacing adversity is he almost caved a little bit. I mean, Malarkey was throwing bombs, but he kind of was like, I'm I've had enough of this a little bit, not saying he quit or anything. I'm more just saying that like, I think he was like, I mean, he's young fighters. He just didn't go the way he had planned. And he was like, shit, this guy's, this guy's still coming. How's he doing that? And Malarkey's been here too. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a veteran of the sport, so that was good to see. Okay, so I guess one more question on the Devonta Smith fight before we move on. Anything's anything that you saw that if you're his camp, you're like, this is what we need to work on because his hands looked phenomenal. I just it wasn't even necessarily takedown defense either. Maybe pacing. Yeah, pacing or just kind of stringing it together with hands that dangerous. You even like faint a takedown and you're in everyone's head. I, I think he's got a really great base to build on uh, with, with those that striking prowess, but really just tying everything together, I think is what he's going to focus on in, in next camp. Yeah, I could not agree more. So really quickly before we move on to set the spread and close this recap door, let's talk bets. So Casey O'Neill, we both rode. Big time green, got it at 220. You risked three and a half units, it looks like. I had a flat three units of risk. So that paid off well for us. The taping worked mm-hmm. out, the ankle lock worked out. Love to see it. This one I also love. You had a parlay at minus 150 for three units of Rosa, who I risked four, no, I risked five units on at minus 345 earlier in the week. It ended up I ended up getting value. It ended up closing around 650. But you had Rosa and Silva de Andrade. And we didn't talk much about Silva de Andrade on the last podcast. What ended up making you place that one at minus 150? That's a great bet, though. It was it was more so just thinking that if it was not a straight Muay Thai match, Gaetano Perello was not winning it. it. The fight had to go exactly one way for Gaetano to have a chance. And I just thought that Silva de Andrade was skilled enough on the feet as well as anywhere else this fight was going to go to be a problem for Gaetano. And he got it done real quick. I mean, that that was an explosive left hand. And it was a great way to take 
or to try to get some value back on Rosa too. Cause Rosa fighting Betch Cohea and Cohea's retirement fight. I mean, that was a breeze. I mean, that, right. was, that was one. I, I was a punching bag. That was yeah. one I was talking to my dad on the phone and I said, I know the line's gross, but if you want to throw your entire balance on one thing tonight, throw it on Carol Rosa. There's no, no way Betch is winning this fight. Yeah, no, her pace was way too much for her. She looked better than her everywhere. It was an easy cash. I was so happy I got the value at 340. I know a lot of people were like, whoa, 340 on a you're placing that on a Monday? Like, what do you see? And while we're real quickly talking about yeah. women's MMA, I mean, breaking my rule turned out pretty profitable for me. I and also cast Stephanie Egger, and she just looked absolutely dominant. Shannon Young had nothing for her there either. She looked bigger, yeah. stronger, and, and just so that's another better. one place. You had uh Shauna Egger, or no, not Shauna Egger. You had Stephanie Egger. Minus 130 for a unit, uh, 1.3 units. So you cashed a unit there as well. Great read, Dan. I didn't see what I called this a layoff. I agreed that Egger clearly had the wrestling advantage, but I was going to lay out this one. And I ended up sprinkling a little bit, not even a full unit, but just riding with my boy Dank Wagers. And it, it cashed heavily. Now, here's one that we can't close the recap without mentioning. We both got burned here. And we also got burned publicly on Twitter because we were talking about it mid-fight after the first round, and you hate to see it. Joe Selecki, minus 130. You risked 2.6 units. I risked a flat two units. Didn't go our way, especially after an explosive first round. Takeaways from that round, too. Yeah, I think Joe's got to take a look in the mirror and be like big-time gas tank in the next camp. Huge gas tank issue. Concerning. Yeah, it was really concerning and surprising, too, being just – the athlete that he is, I still am not super impressed with Jared Good or Gordon. My bad. Um, he didn't show me like that he was better than Joe anywhere. It was just that Joe ran out of mileage, and it was. I was impressed with his adversity. That I was pretty impressed with because he took a tough first round. I mean, it wasn't ten eight worthy, but it was. He kind of got the worst of it there, and especially to be able to grapple with a guy like Selecki and hang in there. Like, I mean, that I took hats off to him. That, that is, that's not an easy thing to do. Grappling with Selecki is never an easy task, but I agree. I, it's not like Jared Gordon is a world, a world breaker. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. not sitting here being like, okay, he's, he's about to be a top five, especially a lightweight. You know what I mean? There's, they both have a lot of work to do, but Selecki can propel himself higher if he fixes that gas tank. And I think, Big time. yeah, it sucked to see for both of us. Before we get all the way off of it, want to yeah. give some props to Parker over here. Parker's props. Yeah, do it. Profitable as hell last week. He went up 6.9 units, had the Hernandez knockout, had the Joko decision, had the price decision. Unbelievable. And the thing about back. those props, too. Back. I'm back. Quick is, Danny, you joked. You said, uh, I think you said Hernandez round one. And yeah. That yeah, that would have ended up working even better. But thing with these parker props is even if you go cold when you have a week like you had last week holy shit does that pay the bills what was the total units kobe 6.9 nice what 6.9 holy shit yeah i mean danny and danny went three for four on big bats and i don't he was probably pretty close to 6.9 so what a weekend for the ankle pickers and if you rode along you made money and that's what we tell you time and time again if you listen to this podcast week in and week out you listen to the breakdowns, you will leave with more money. You're getting paid. Especially to our European listeners. 
yeah, we, that, that big segment we have in, in Europe, go buy its time energy. So moving on to set the spread, I'll pivot over to Kobe. That's the recap for last week, Santos Walker, and be here Wednesday for fight night, Dern versus Rodriguez. Yep, Dern versus Rodriguez. We're going to go ahead and preview that one. This is an early card. It's a 3 p.m. main card, noon prelims. Okay. So uh, Jameson and coffee for you gentlemen. Um, Jameson and coffee just, every morning, though. So I was about to say, you're it. acting like my morning routine changes, Kobe. All right, I guess I, I got to learn my audience here. Danny, coming off the most recent win, actually the most recent two wins, he's brought it back within one. 14-15, Reese still on the year. DK is going to lead things off for us for the first fight on the main card this week for UFC Fight Night. What is it? UFC Vegas 39. We've got a middleweight bout, Phil Hawes and Duran Wynn. Duran Wynn, one of my favorite <laughs> guys to talk about. Um, this is a guy who is a good wrestler. Don't want to take that away from him, but without his association with Daniel Cormier, I don't really see him being in the UFC. And he's not really shown that he has any skills besides, hopefully I can take you down and lay on you for three rounds. So I do think he's going to be a pretty significant underdog against Phil Hawes, who is going to be bigger than him, a better striker, um, a better athlete. I mean, it's not hard to be bigger than Duran Wynn. I think he's 5'6". But regardless, looking at um, the last couple of fights of Duran's, I mean, he he wasn't he was only a favorite of minus 130 in the Gerald Mearshart fight. And besides that, he's been a pretty big dog. Um, while, while Hawes has kind of – not kind of um, – He's put together a nice seven-fight win streak with likes of beating Kyle Dawkins. We've just seen both the Dawkins fight last two weekends. Nasruddin Imabov, a guy I have a lot of respect for. He's a favorite over Nasruddin. Phil Hall is going to be a big favorite here. I'm debating whether or not there's going to be a two or a three in front of it, so I'm going to go with 290. That's a that, – that's – I mean, talk – if you're debating between two or a three, that's a perfect line there. I mean – Basically echoing everything you said, I just have been extremely impressed with the way Hawes has turned his career around after losing to Julian Marquez on the Contender Series. Honestly, might have been the first season of Contender Series or second. These guys were like the, the early alums. And Phil Hawes lost early to Marquez, and he kind of looked like a fish out of water there for a lot of guys who I think felt pretty good about him. And ever since then, has gone on an absolute run. You mentioned a couple of the names like Dawkins and Imavov. I agree. I mean, we we're this is this ankle. If you're an ankle picker, you are team fade Duran win. And this is no different here, but I'm going to go under 290. I had it at 250 going in. You've swayed me a little bit. I'm actually going to go up to 270. I think 270s might be a ding ding. Opened what mid September at minus 220. Now sitting minus 300 for your favorite Phil Hawes. Jeez, Point DK. Man. Can you sniff that thing anymore? Give me some Give me some ability to get the point. My gosh. Women's flyweight is the second fight of the main card. We've got Sabina Mazo 
and Maria Agapova. Okay, obviously I get the one that both Danny and I are going to look at each other and just be like, who? But, I mean, Sabina Mazzo, we've seen her time and time again. I think she was a big favorite in that Alexis Davis fight. She was. She was 225 in the Alexis Davis fight. And I was on Alexis Davis from the experience. I mean, Alexis Davis fought the hoo-hoo, so it's not that big of a deal. But she has decent wins in her UFC career. Wins that, like, for, for women's... I think they're at Bantamweight, 35. They're, they're good wins. I mean, Justine Kish, I'm pretty sure she's an Ultimate Fighter alum. J.J. Aldrich, we just talked about. She struggled with weight last week, but she sees herself as a sizable favorite time and time again. On the other side, and I'm not even going to stare you dead in the face and be like, I know everything about this girl. I know her from her UFC wins. I know her from the Hannah, Hannah Cypher bout. And I know her from, hold on, let me get her typology over here. Shauna Dobson fight. And that's about it. I haven't taped these fights this week. I can only go off what I remember and what I know about these girls, like what I know about Dobson, who obviously has had her issues in her career. She's honestly sub 500. So I don't know which way to lean here. I wish I didn't have this one. I just know that the 24-year-old Agapova probably will see herself as a minor dog just because of the fact that she's still kind of a, a young prospect. I guess, fuck, Mazo's also 24. I have no fucking clue. Um, give me uh, Mazo because I like her UFC record or you, her opponents. I'm going to take Mazo minus 145, but I truly have no idea. This could be 200 the other way. I, I can't tell you. I'm going to go 145 for Mazo. That's a good number. I, I mean, I agree with everything you've said. They're both 24. They're both nine and two. There's not a lot separating them. They both actually never been a dog in their UFC career. And they're coming That's off actually of, an interesting tidbit there. They're, they're both coming off of losses as favorites. The reason that I'm pretty confident that Mazo is going to be the favorite is the, is the quality of those losses. Shannon Dobson. I mean, I think that was, Odds-wise, the biggest upset of the UFC year. Um, I think Agapova ended like minus 1,400 or something against Shanna Dobson and lost that, got finished. So I have to assume that the MMA community and the MMA betters are pretty sour about that, uh, having ruined maybe everyone's parlay that night. But I think that your number is pretty good. I'm going to go... I mean, I'm trying to decide whether or not I'm going over or under your number. So I think you might have a ding ding. But I am going to go under it. Like I said, there's a lot of question marks. Both these women are still young, 24. They both prospects that the winner of this is going to get a little bit of a bump. I think that I'm going to go under. I'm going to price it right. You under. You're making me so you're feel so good. Because I was scared that one of these ladies were going to be 245 and I'm missing something and I'm going to get hosed by everybody for being an idiot. No, I'm price is writing you under. I think you're, I think I I love your line. Thank you. That makes you feel a lot better. Reese is no idiot. He's going to take the point. Let's go. He's going to take the point minus 160, Mazo. Okay. So yeah, if you went over, I'm cooked. All right, I feel good about that. Now, now the momentum's turning. Needed that back too. One that I wrote off. Third fight of the main card, flyweight bout: 
Tim Elliott and Matthias Nicolau. DK, your boy. Tim Elliott, go for it. Yeah, this is really interesting. Tim Elliott, obviously a guy I'm a big fan of. Love his jujitsu, love his heart. Uh, fights out of glory MMA with uh, James Krause and whatnot. So he's got a great team. And he, and he really showed out. I mean, if you look at his last five fights, it's against five guys that can all grapple for, I mean, days and days. And wins over Jordan Espinosa and Ryan Benoit are pretty dope. But then looking at Matus, that win over Manel Cape, albeit a split decision, it looks pretty great. And to get your debut and have a, be, be slotted for Tagir Lombekov on a Portia McGregor fight, that shows that the UFC, like, they, they think that there's a, a real, real contender in Matus Nicolau. I, I'm, I think he's going to end up being the favorite because he's younger. Tim's on a little bit of a downslope. I mean, the losses to Brandon Roy Bell, that didn't age terrifically. It aged well initially and then aged meh. Um, so I do think he's – I think Tim Elliott's going to be a slight dog here, but I think it's going to be slight. I think it's going to be Matus minus 140. Okay, that's not as slight as I thought. I – I'm glad. I also see Matus as the favorite, and I was nervous that you were going to say Tim Elliott and it put me in a spot where do I go under his Tim Elliott or do I be honest and put Matus as the favorite. You hit it on the head for me. The Manel Cape fight is the one that I'm most impressed by to come. I mean, he had a UFC stint, dropped a really tough bout to Dustin Ortiz, and that was enough for him to get cut because of the fact that they were looking to demolish the flyweight division. It wasn't because he was on a losing streak. It wasn't because he was struggling. It, it was simply because he lost to Dustin Ortiz and they go, okay, we're, we're stripping this division. Now is the time to, to use the excuse. Obviously. And that was when he was like 25 or 24, that too, right? That too, but he was like four and one or something in the mm-hmm. UFC and they caught him. It was, it was crazy. And so I go, okay, this is interesting. I'm, um, this guy comes back similar to Brandon Moreno who got cut and came back at that flyweight stripping, but he comes back and takes a guy that I know both of us have a lot of respect for in Manel Cape. Here's the thing with Tim Elliott. I don't know how to feel about Tim Elliott. I want to have Matthias honestly as like a minus 200. I'm serious. I think that I'm going to be riding him this weekend. I, I feel really good about this matchup for him but I'm not confident the line's going to be that high. And the reason why is because not only Tim Elliott's name value, but I mean, he won the ultimate fighter and his losses aren't against scrubs. You know what I mean? He's losing to the, the Figueredos, the Asker Askarovs, the Brandon Royvalds. And I know you, like you said, Brandon Royval didn't age as well, but he was a contender at the time. So it's like, I don't, I mean, he's fought Demetrius Johnson after he won the ultimate fighter. It's like, he, he's, He's got all the marks of a guy that you get value on the underdog, like him being minus 130 here, and we just hammer Nicolau and, and it pays the bills. I, I just think people are smarter than they realize. I think the 28-year-old Nicolau is gonna honestly put himself on that flyweight map. I know I think he's only like 15 right now. And I, I see that to increase. You said 140. That's such a freaking good number. Um Oh, I'm looking at the rankings with it. They have Nick Law at 15. Yeah. Tim Elliott at nine. Oh, man. Um, 
fuck, that's a good number. I guess my logic is going to tell me that I think Nikolaus minus 180. I really do, 190. But I'm actually going to go under Dan because of the record that Tim Elliott has and just the type of line that I could see this being. I think that this is going to be a sharp line. And so if there's not movement yet, I think it's going to get movement. But for right now, I don't think the movement's hit. I think Danny probably is going to be with me and seeing it for Nikolaus once we tape. But I'm going to go Nikolaus minus 130. 190, Nikolaus. God. Oh, you got to trust yourself. God. RP. Damn it. And some movement has happened. It opened at 55. So, yeah, the sharp money's already coming in on Nikolaus. Son of a bitch. 2 1 DK. Next fight on the main card, a welterweight bout. We've got Randy Brown and Jared Gooden. Reese, oh, I gotta get kick back things in. off. I got to get back in. I get your head mind. back in the game. So, yeah, not Jared mind. Gordon. Jared Gooden. Jared, Jared Gooden. Gooden. Yeah, the, the longest neck in the sport. Hold on. I got to get myself back in. Okay, first off, shitty co-main event. Not trying to be a dick or anything. I don't know if there was like a big fight that got called off this card, but this card's a disaster, and this main event is also a disaster. Um, I mean, the main event's exciting, but it's not a main event fight. I mean, we're looking at like a, a barely ranked, eh, not barely ranked. They're both phenomenal female fighters, but it's, it's, I would much rather see this slot at the co-main, but here we go. I mean, this is the fight we're getting. Randy Brown, Jared Gooden. Jared Gooden has done nothing but underwhelm me. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest. I'm, I'm shocked he's in the UFC. My prediction is he loses this Randy Brown fight and then the UFC splits part, splits ways with him going one and three in his last four. Randy Brown's a guy that I, I wouldn't say I tend to fade, but like he seems one dimensional. I feel like he likes to work those submissions. He doesn't love to stay standing, which is a, which is a problem because his reach is so, you know what I mean? He's so fucking long that if he used his uh, a front kick more and worked in a jab, I think he could really distance himself from the rest of the pack, but he likes to work his ground game. He had an impressive one-arm submission over Alex Oliveira, who just lost to Nico Price, you know, a day ago or whatever. He had his moments against Luke A. I'm going to go Randy Brown, and I'm going to go pretty sizable. I think Jared Gooden's on his way out. He, I've been extremely underwhelmed by him. The one fight ride just almost – I mean, he lost to a retiring Alan Joban, and it was not in, in, in close fashion either. I mean, he got just shit on. I'm going to go Randy Brown minus 205. And the reason why I didn't just do a flat 200 is because I want to make sure that when we go back, it's like, yeah, he's over 200 favorite. You know what I mean? He's over that 200 threshold, not just a flat two. This one's tough for me. I, I'm going to need to tape this one a lot more. Like Reese said, Gooden hasn't shown me anything that sticks out in my head of note. And I got to be honest, Randy Brown hasn't either. I know that that one arm uh, rear naked choke was – Awesome, but it's Cabo Oliveira. It's, it's, we talked enough about him last week. He's kind of just fighting because he needs the money at this point, in my opinion. I don't really know what to make of this. I do think Randy Brown's going to be the favorite just on strength and schedule alone. It's an easy to predict. But you're really looking at his record, and he hasn't had like an impressive win like ever. <laughs> like, Losing, losing to Nico Price, and I mean, the Vicente Luque is not bad. He shouldn't have been in that matchup. I think that one, that was one of the earliest ankle locks that we ever gave out was yeah. Vicente Luque in that fight. I think Vicente Luque started the ankle lock. That's how confident we were. 
Right. Maybe. But I don't know. I just, I have to go under you just because I've got so many question marks in this fight and I'm not sold on Randy Brown, but I'm not going under you because I think Jared Gooden is some skilled fighter. I'm going to go with minus 170. Okay. And even saying it out loud, I think I would bet it at 170. So I don't know, but I'm sticking my number. See, I'm, I'm, I love your, I think I'd bet at 170 because I'm the same way. It's like, I think I'd even bet it at 190 or 200, but it's like, could you really see yourself? Could you sleep easy at night knowing you had 200 bucks or whatever on Randy Brown? Like I, I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. Well, you guys talked yourselves into it. 235 Randy Brown. Oh, there you go. Where did it open? Where did it open? 200 flat 200. Okay. So I was, I, I was yeah, you're on top of that. Yeah. All right, Dan, balls in your court, 2-2. Two, two would this be the – I don't know, Kobe, how long your record goes back. Would this be the first tie of the session? Like, I'm actually spitzing over I don't think Reese is – I don't think y'all have been tied since 0-0. Zero, zero. I think Reese has had a one-game lead the whole way. Okay. I, I can double-check that. I need this. This would be a three-ripper in a row for the DK Dankwagers MMA courts. And I get to lead off on my ladies? Yeah, you do. Yep. So this is – Women's strawweight. Oh, Women's strawweight, Dern and Rodriguez. DK. These are two women I've actually talked a ton about before. Um, I think I was on Marina Rodriguez for a stupid amount versus Michelle Waterson. I knew that was going to be a striking match where Michelle was not going to have a single moment for her. Um, and I think I even predicted a finish there, which didn't come, but there were definitely their moments. And then on the other side, it's, it's Mackenzie Dern. It's one of the better grapplers in women's MMA. Someone who does not have bad striking at all. I mean, the the transitions. I mean, she at this point in her head, she is Stockholm syndrome herself into becoming Brazilian. <laughs> it's interesting. It's just it is just interesting. I'm gonna have Mackenzie Dern as a favorite here. I think that the MMA community is higher on her. I think that in women's MMA, jujitsu is a little bit more powerful. Uh, than it can be in, in most men's divisions. But I don't think it's going to be too big because Marina has shown to, to handle, I mean, jujitsu. I mean, finishing Amanda Hebas is a big testament to her and defending takedowns and reversing position against Calvillo is a big uh, thumbs up mark on her, on her record for me. But I'm going to have Dern at a minus one fifty-five favorite to Marina Rodriguez. And I'm really confident about this one. Yeah, that's a fucking unbelievable line. Basically, all I'm thinking about right now is who is right on how much the public loves Dern. Cause I'm with you. I, I think I'll be on Rodriguez come fight night. I really do. I'm actually pretty confident. I will be unless she's the favorite, then I'll be and, on Dern. And what worried me about that line is the respect that Rodriguez doesn't get. We talk yeah. about the he boss uh, fight that I was on her as, and I think she was like a plus 275, like plus 300 mm-hmm. dog. Ridiculous. To someone who does not have 
Like Mackenzie Dern is a better striker than Hebas. Probably has better jujitsu than Hebas. I would also. I'm worried that 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 number is going to be high, but I think that the respect is a little bit of swung in in Marina's direction. So that's you basically touched on it. Is it's really what I'm trying to gauge? Really, what the public, how much the public respects Dern compared to Rodriguez? Because we've seemingly gotten value time and time again on Marina, and. It's really hard to get value on Dern because of everyone knows her. I even know from the card community that like one of the most sought after cards tends to be Mackenzie Dern. A lot of people love her. If you're in the grappling world of the sport, you love her. If you're just a fan of women's mixed martial arts, you love her. She's, she's got a nice personality too. Like she's, she's one of the bigger faces of women's where Marina Rodriguez really you don't get talked about a lot, which is a shame because we love her and she's really talented. I honestly don't think I have a chance here. I think 55 is drilled. Kobe, I need to go to the regulation. Am I able to say 55 and then we go to a playoff hole? Or do I have no. to go differently? You have to go different. Okay. Um, I mean, the confidence is just ramping up. I'm getting, I'm building up for a poha. Now I'm going, now I'm debating between 65 or 45 because if it's in the middle, then if it's 60 or 50, then we go to a playoff hole anyways. Because <laughs> I, I truly think Danny drilled it. Um, but if you go 60 or 50, you just take it, and there's no chance for a tie. You're right, but I didn't want to be a prices right <laughs> asshole. Um, Wait, Danny, what what'd you say, 150? 155. 155, and it sounds perfect. Because look at it this way, if if – if Marina's the favorite, I'm hammering Dern. If Dern's the favorite, I'm betting Rodriguez. But the thing is, is it's like everybody, like so many people, even casuals know Mackenzie Dern. Like really, I rarely hear people talk about Marina Rodriguez. I'm going Dern. 55 is so fucking perfect. Um, uh, I'm going to go over Danny. So I'm going to go, I guess I'm just going to go 56. Fuck it. It's going to be 70 or 80. Did you say 56? <laughs> I have to. All, this is an all-time one. This is an all-time Price is Right situation. Dern, your favorite, minus 160. Oh! <laughs> Reese is taking a victory lap, oh! shirtless. <laughs> oh, wow. Please put that. We're not. This is not going to YouTube. This one's not going to YouTube. No, we'll just blur it. <laughs> All time. Let's go. Let's go. No lead today, baby. 16, 14. Woo! Reese. Am I a bad am I going to hell for that price is right? Am I a bad person? No, that's, a, that's perfectly executed. I basically was picking over under and I just go, everyone loves Dern. Over. That was such a good line, dude. Let's go. Oh. All right. Well, we got it. This off. is why we play, folks. <laughs> this is why we play. Um, so little programming notice that I'm just this is this is live reaction from y'all. Dan, Parker, and myself are all gonna be in the same place Sunday evening for our next set the spread. So Parker is gonna be hosting the next set the spread. Let's go. Poha for that. We've had that before. We've had that before. It's like Kobe is the Bruce Buffer. And you get the Joe Martinez. The Joe I know Martinez. I'm the fun uncle. I'm the fun uncle. You love you love daddy, but I'm the fun uncle. 
All right. Oh, we'll gosh, back. that's Holly Holm, Norma Dumont. <laughs> what a fucking card. Wait, that you're just naming a fight on the card. You're not naming. No, the that's the that's the headliner. Holly Holm, Norma Dumont, Komain, Arlovsky, Carlos Felipe. Oh, Andrew Sanchez, Bruno Silva. Same night. Same night. Bellator has the Dean Nemkov headlining. I'm actually watching that. <laughs> I mean, this card is is. Um. Also, quickly, while everyone's listening, uh, Parker, is it safe to announce? Uh, yes, I, I I sent him an email today. It's safe to announce. All right, go for it. Announce it. You're the one who put in the grunt work. I think I got lucky on this one, but the podcast is excited to announce. We got a former former winner from two weeks ago. Jonathan Pierce will be joining the podcast. Bingo. Oh, stuff. He's Straight a rising contender. Looks phenomenal, too. JSP. And he looked phenomenal in a fight that Danny and I didn't totally see his way. So I'm really excited to not only compliment him, but see how he executed such a phenomenal game plan. Rising star in the UFC. So I'm excited to have him on. Great work, Parker. And we, we haven't had anyone. We've always had a person leading up to the fight. I mean, gravelly uh, to name but i'm excited yeah. to have someone who's like already fought and just kind of like pick his brain on on some things post-fight yeah i'm beyond excited and it's going to be interesting to see you know all the questions we have lined up for him so that's coming up wednesday at normal schedule so i'll probably be out thursday and we're also going to go over the preview for this week's card mackenzie dern marina rodriguez we'll keep you up to date on upcoming things as well enjoy contender series and I think we'll see you Wednesday. Parker closes up with a poa for your props and for setting up JSP. Yep. Can I get a poa? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E. AV on YouTube.